propose to go may be a little difficult to follow. Um, it helps that you are an educated people, thoughtful people, and this is not your, your uh, well, as we used to say, that ain't your first rodeo, boy. <laughs> we look at what is supposedly more or less the text, Genesis 22. You might turn there, and it's not going to take very long. This is God telling Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and murder him. A little awkward there, I reckon. After these things, God tested or tempted Abraham. So Abraham, God already knew. Anything that God doesn't know. It was for Abraham to find out the hard way, what do you really trust in? The stuff that I've given you or me? Abraham needed to learn who he was, what he really believed. What were his convictions? What will you die for? Many a Christian martyr has been offered the opportunity at the last moment with the knife. And by the way, Muslims love knives. And beheading is their favorite way of killing. It's pretty impressive, I guess. And Christians have been offered with the knife at the throat, deny Jesus, and say the Shahada, there is no God but Allah. That's all you got to do. We turn you loose. Hundreds. Said, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And they got their throat slashed and their head cut off. Was that a disaster? No. If you know anything about Muslim prisons, there, you certainly don't want to go there. Federal prisons in America are far better living standards than most of those folks out there anyway. What happens to the soul of believer when his body dies. Take it to be with the Lord, which is far better. I don't know if I've got the guts to do that. I wish I could say, I, you bet, bring it on. I'm not sure. And I don't think we'll know until we have, like Abraham, the test. And the test really is about the gospel. So where I want to go this morning, when does or when did the gospel begin? Now, plenty of people who would be churchgoers might even carry their Bible to church. I mean, really religious folks, you know. <laughs> well, the gospel begins uh, with uh, Christmas, right? Or the gospel begins at Easter. No. <laughs> It isn't just the four Gospels that are the Gospel. This is the Gospel, the whole thing. It is the good news of salvation from Genesis 1-1 to what's the last verse of the Bible? Even so quickly come, Lord Jesus, it's still about Him and our relationship with Him, an eternal destiny. 
And so we can't start about Abraham until we've started somewhat earlier. Uh, this particular version, I grew up with the King James. I find myself often using that. There are lots of others. I'm not sure how yours reads. This one I don't like. When God began to create the heavens and the earth. Somebody read me. What do you got? The first phrase of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. I'm just fascinated. I'm not very bright, okay? But you look at these guys that are supposed to be bright, and they're talking about evolution. If you look at simple, simple, simple things, like the fertilization of the ovum, there are a whole bunch of chemical reactions that have to happen in the right order, at the right time, in the right amount, and then to drop off at the right time. There are a whole bunch of those in something as simple as the creation of a child. Mathematically, there's no way of expressing how infinitely small the chance is that evolution could ever have worked. I trust, I don't need to tell you that, but just as a, as a beginning, you've got to go to the beginning. When does the gospel begin? Does it begin in the beginning God created? Well, no. What was before the beginning? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, in total unity with one another, relational, discussing. I can't imagine it. That God is a planning, thinking, loving creator. The gospel began in, and this is not a biblical term, the councils of eternity. And you'll hear that from good theologians. If you hear that, you've probably got somebody you can listen to. The councils of eternity. God, in the discussion or whatever, in eternity before eternity began, but it'll be the same in eternity after eternity's ended, the Father said, I will elect. You were chosen, we're told, before the foundations of the earth. God didn't just suddenly have a great idea. Hey, that stand looks pretty good. I'll bring him aboard. No, not even close. For lots of reasons, as you know. <clears throat> God the planner. They're going to create in a little bit. And they're going to give Adam a right spirit, free will. I love my many Christian friends, but most of them sadly misunderstand free will. Adam had it. He could choose right until he chose wrong. And the death sentence that God said was going to happen already happened, pal. You cannot, of your own, Choose God. Choose to be righteous. God elects, chooses, you can use a variety of words, selects, predestines, terrible word, according to some of my friends, without it, the Bible wouldn't be the Bible. 
Life would be a roll of the dice. He set his love on whom he chose before the foundations of the world. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Son of God, agrees he, they they know the fall is going to happen. They're not surprised by it. I will die to satisfy divine justice at the sins of all those whom you elect. Your choice, Dad. I die. Perfectly, sinlessly, innocently. So God the Father, your righteousness is defended as I pay the death penalty for all those whom you elect. And the Spirit doesn't say, well, I hope that works out. What does the Holy Spirit do? He calls. Ephesians 4. He gives you the faith to believe. Don't pat yourself on the back. Well, I decided to follow Jesus. There used to be a gospel song about that. I have decided to follow the word. Okay. No, you didn't. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, bound on a one-way street to hell. And when God the Father chose you, Jesus redeemed you at the price of his torturous death. And the Holy Spirit now gave you faith to believe. Now you can believe. Now you've got life. When did the gospel begin? It began in the mind of God before the first bit of creation. A significant distinction between the Reformed faith and and much of general Christianity, which is by and large influenced by dispensationalism. And again, I don't know you guys at all. If I'm whipping a dead horse, sorry. Dispensationalism has a different God. Frankly, I don't believe you can be a dispensationalist and a Christian. They have a God of ignorance and a God of good intentions. Hey, he made the world, yeah, Then sin came in, and God had to change his plan. It was a first dispensation that is a fall and God's plan, a different plan. He tries that for a couple of generations. That doesn't work. Poor God, he didn't know what was happening next. So man makes an action, and God has to react to that. There are seven dispensations. If your God is so stupid, he can't get it right with less than seven chances, you don't have much of a God. I don't believe that you can be a Christian and be a dispensationalist. That sounds harsh. Do you worship a God who is too dumb to figure it out? Who has to change his mind? You have more power than he does? You can thwart the will of God? I've heard people preach. God wants to save you, but you can make up your own choice. You don't have to be saved. I don't know about you. I I don't like to be standing real near them in case one of the angels' lightning bolts misses. In the beginning, God, who foreordains, the scripture says, foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. He is not surprised. 
And so this affects our praying in one particular way. Uh, you've heard people praying, kind of telling God what's going on, what's the news, <laughs> and what do I want you to do? No. He does. He knew before the first act of creation. And he cares. He has foreordained it, and whatsoever happens is because God made it happen. He planned before creation. Talked about the the role of the three persons in the Trinity within the council of, etern of eternity. <clears throat> you know, I, I think I've touched on this before. One problem with having a little time to think about things is you can get yourself a little bit confused. Did I talk about Adam's free will? He was able, with a perfect soul, to choose the good. He made a choice. No, I'm not going to do what you say. I got the cutest woman in world history, and I've got it all. No. But God wasn't surprised, was he? He's already got this thing scoped out. But Adam and we who descend from him no longer have free will. I cannot choose to be perfect. I cannot choose always to obey. I am a fallen person. Lo, brought forth in sin was I. When conceived, I was unclean. It isn't like I did a bad habit that I developed after I got to be 21. A part of the glory of salvation is that God begins modifying us from what we have been. He doesn't just save you and then send you back. He's in the process of transforming us from what we are into what we will be. <clears throat> there is so much to say. <laughs> Uh, his soul became incapable of not sinning. And we are burdened with that. We're still talking now about where the gospel came from. In the day thou eatest thereof, what? King James says, thou shalt surely die. I really like the Hebrew by way that uh, Charlie Leach and John Leach were great students of the language and I slugged my way through a one verb at a time. Uh, but I got a few things. Much more literally, dying you will die. Now what's that talking about? There are two deaths. When that spirit that God breathed into Adam, remember that, the breath of God, and he became, Adam became a living being. He's got a spirit, he's got a soul. That soul is God knowing ahead of time what's going to happen. 
He's allowed this to happen for his own glory, by the way, so that we will see him not just as this big God out there, but as my Savior. He allows the sin. Dying, you will die. Your spirit will leave your body. Yeah, okay, no problem. What's the real deal on dying? You're cast out from the presence of God. Absent from all grace. Turned over 100% to the non-existent mercies of Satan who hates you because he hates God who made you in his image. And he can't hurt God, but he can get you. That's the real If you want to shoot me, go ahead. I frankly really don't care. But don't torture me forever and ever and ever. And Americans have these crazy ideas about lots of things, and hell is one of them, I agree, you know. No big deal. Everybody dies. It's going to be a big deal 30 seconds after you're dead, after your spirit leaves your body. A real big deal. What happens? We're called into the hall of justice. Tried before Almighty God. And if you don't have Jesus, the Son of God, as your defense attorney, then you're kind of hanging out in the wind there, boys. It's not going to be real pretty the way this thing works out. A review of your life. You chose no. You chose no. You chose no. You chose no. A whole lifetime, you've had opportunity. And you have willingly said no to God and His gracious offer. You have chosen to go to hell. That's a choice. And God is a gentleman. You've chosen that, chosen that, chosen that. You don't want it, you didn't want it. Okay. Go. Again, crazy American Christians, <clears throat> and especially the anti-Christians, they, they talk about this God who kind of laughingly sends people to hell. Ha, ha, ha. Go suffer. No. Christ suffered for us. We don't have to suffer. We are free of all that in Christ. When the Spirit gives faith, we receive Him, and the Spirit gives us strength to begin to live a different life that's pleasing to Him, as we've already talked about. National life, national church-level life, all of that, the life that we live, <clears throat> choices have consequences and to choose no to choose against God has a consequence an eternal one fortunately for us he gives faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by the way I'm a sold out RP but you're not saved by the RP church and you're not saved by theological terms it's real simple and backward people in the most backward parts of the earth can get it. They're used to killing goats and sheep to live on. And they got the picture. Oh, there's more to death than that. Oh, the sacrifice of burning them up. Oh, that's... What's the picture of a sacrifice? So the lamb has been killed, slit his throat, they bleed him out, eviscerate him, guts go one way, chop the pieces up, put it on the altar, and what happens next? 
It's going to burn up. This representation of the sins of the sinner. It represents the sinner himself and the destruction of sin. It is burnt up. It's a picture of hell. When Jesus gave up the ghost there on the cross, he didn't go on vacation for three days and come back. He descended into hell. He paid the penalty of God, God's wrath, upon our sins. He suffered for us. The suffering of the cross was not the nails or the dehydration or the lashing. The hell of the cross. He is paying the wrath of God at our sin. This isn't just the story out there, but this is you and me. This is every man, woman, and child. And there's the gospel way, and there is Satan's way. Is Adam going to make your choice for you? I hope not. Gospel, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not believe your happy, airy, fairy little ideas. Hey, I, maybe you don't have theological discussions with strange folks, but most of my friends are strange. <laughs> they've, they've got these, well, you know, hey, Jesus, just kind of poor guy from out the country, dumb guy, didn't have any college education, no PhD, didn't have an office with air conditioning and secretaries. And he was a nice guy. He's an itinerant, I love this one, he's an itinerant rat going about trying to do good. Well, I don't need that. I need somebody to pay the penalty for my sin. Somebody to love me, not because of me, but because he loved me. That's the gospel. It is for wretched, miserable, hopeless, helpless people whom God chose to love. Doesn't make sense. But it's true. By the way, we're supposed to be done by 3 o'clock, is it? I've got about a quarter after 12. What time do we quit? Seriously, I don't even know. Okay. Um, I didn't check. Anybody bring any dead cats if you're over? If it goes too long, I'll try to, I'll try to not do that. The gospel. All sorts of gospel we've been talking about back here. In Genesis 1.26, male and female, he created them. They have complementary roles. They are to be stewards under God, stewards over his creation. Um, what's the other word I want besides steward? They are accountable to the owner. The earth was not set here so I can plunder it, uh, take its riches and pollute it and okay. Managers, stewards of all of the world. We have a complementary role, men and women, husbands and wives. This goes back now to the gospel. And I want to talk about Islam for just a minute. Uh, Muhammad wrote, and you know, all that, the total hokum of the writing of the, the Quran. <laughs> I mean, you, you, 
got to be drunk and high on dope at the same time. Okay? You can't just have one level of stupidity or insanity. <clears throat> well, we know that the only way to get babies is there must be copulation. Well, God is uh, he's too pure to do that. So Jesus can't be the son of God because the only way to get a baby is. You know. And so they are very offended when you call Jesus the son of God. No, he's not. That demeans God. And so I'm going to kill you because you've demeaned the God I've created in my mind. What's the good news in that he created the woman to be a helpmeet, as King James says, a helper suitable, a partner in stewardship and management, a partner in raising the kids and all these other things we do. What's the good news in that? there will be a child. And it's not their first son or their second son or whatever. <clears throat> God names them out. There is a descendant. And I love the curse that God put on Satan. What did he tell Satan? The seed of the woman will destroy you. Boy, what a great promise. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of your family, the enemy of your culture, the enemy of all people of all times and places will be defeated. Now, I don't know about you. I'm always slightly interested in snakes. Basically terrified. <clears throat> Rattlers are... Anybody here like to fool around with rattlesnakes? You need to be real quick. And I'm just not that quick. Uh, a number of the Plains Indians, their thing about uh, rattlesnakes was a snake never dies until at night. And you must cut off its head. The fact you think he's dead doesn't mean he's dead. And in fact, even today, we get these morons think they've killed a rattlesnake, they pick him up and he bites him. Go figure. I do right. <laughs> what do you do to ensure that that rattlesnake is dead and cannot bite you. Well, if you got an ounce of sense, you find something to pin him down with, and you cut off his head. And it's a part of uh, some of the native uh, religions. You've got to do that and then bury the head. And then what do you do after you've dug a little hole and put the head in it? We're going to make triple sure he dead. God promises Satan. Isn't this interesting? He even promises Satan. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head, you big poisonous viper. You'll bruise his heel. In the, in the war between my son and you and your people, my son is going to take a, a bad hit. A real bad. He didn't just look dead. He was D-E-A-D -E dead. As we say in the emergency services, D-R-T. Dead right there. That's him. But it didn't last, did it? Jesus 
won the victory over sin, Satan, death, and hell by his dying for sin and for sinners. And God accepted that. The proof that God had accepted that was the son was raised back to life. And 50 days later, ascends back into heaven where it rules and reigns today. <clears throat> Great promise comes out of this curse on the, uh, on the serpent. One other, and I'm going to quit. He said. So what happens? Adam and Eve sin. Things are not looking good for the home team. And they've just lost their home. What happened? They get thrown out, right? Let me see. Genesis 3. Yes, we were looking there at Genesis 3. Okay. The uh, 23rd verse. Therefore, the Lord God sent them forth out of Eden. You lost your home, your future, everything. Not good. He sent them out to work, to till the ground from which they were taken. Work was not the curse, by the way. Notice, it was work before the fall, and it was good. And you've got that. You've understood that. You can respect yourself. We may not be rich, but I'm able to make a living for my family. I'm able to be a participant Okay. <clears throat> they were driven out to till the ground. Verse 24, he drove out the humans and at the east of the Garden of Eden, what did he do? He placed a cherubim, the burning angels. Again, I, I don't understand all that. <laughs> the scripture says it. I believe it even though I don't comprehend it fully. Cherubim with a sword. It's a flaming sword. And it turns every direction. A sword flaming and turning. Boy, here is the gospel. To guard the way to the tree of life you still have access to eternal life through the tree of life, through Jesus Christ. But you've got to come His way. The cherry beam keep the way to the tree. Jesus says, come to me. I am the way and the truth. I believe that He's making reference to this very passage. The Gospel in Genesis chapter 3. We've seen half a dozen other portions of the gospel. And here, the way, I'm the way, the truth, and the Jesus Christ. The gospel offer is still out there. And we invite, not people who look like us and share our educational levels and our economic situation, we share the gospel with other people we have more in common with, that is sinners, right? We're still sinners, whatever all these other trappings are, and I'm thankful for them. I'm a sinner. These are sinners. They're heading to hell. They're friends of mine. 
Should I tell them the way to avoid the snake bite? The way to come to have life? To guard the way. We can say, y'all come. And it's true. Y'all come. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Jesus is the way. <clears throat> I was told by a senior Presbyterian elder in a congregation, uh, rural folk, and uh, we were talking, I guess, before the service. And he said, well, you know, all ladders lead, lead to the roof. All religions lead to, to heaven. Uh, no. <laughs> you should be ashamed to call yourself Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, did you ever hear the short catechism question one? And by the way, I'm tickled pink. We've got you. You pleased me here, young woman. Whatever your name is, I forget. Lori, you're getting it. And I'm thankful for parents who are helping you to get it. You get your head screwed on straight when you're young, and you're not near as apt to go off and become plum stupid when the culture is trying to get you there. Salvation, the one way, not one of many. And I am so thankful. He says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come at his invitation. You come the way he's prepared. You come to accept and receive him. You come and you pledge loyalty to him. Now, I did that to the Constitution, so did John. If it takes my life, I will defend the Constitution. How much more important in our conversion we understand that you are so sold out to Christ that when the Muslim has his scimitar at your neck, at your neck and says, deny Jesus, and say the Shahadah. That's where the rubber met the road. But God is strong. He strengthens his people. I can tell you there's sad, sad background to a woman who was murdered just that way. And she smiled. And she said, no. She smiled. Because she knew. A very little time. Don't know just how long it takes to bleed out. Not very long. She would see Jesus. Come on home, daughter. Come on home, sister. Come on home, child. And she's entered into a whole different life that these people can never imagine. I can't imagine the glories of heaven. Certainly the non-believers can't. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ long before Jesus showed up as a man on earth. We'll look at that a little later. Claiming his promise, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 